Welcome to Thousand Generations Podcast, hosted by Dan and Chad Bohai, a father and son duo committed to pursuing God's dream and desire of faithfulness to Jesus and living to see the gospel of his kingdom pass from one generation to the next, to a thousand generations. Thank you for joining us on our journey as we hope to encourage you on yours. Well, here we are again, season four, episode seven. We're just going to continue talking about hope because who doesn't need more of it? So to to kick us off here in Romans 15, verse four, this great verse, everything written in the past, so the whole Bible, was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So just for a second. The whole point of the Bible is to give us endurance encouragement through hope that the Word of God fuels and fosters. That's that's an amazing way to think about the book that you and I hold or the device that has 80,000 translations. So everything in the Bible in some way, shape, or form is meant to encourage endurance and an unwavering hope. And it goes on to say in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think there's a lack of that today. Slightly. Because most Christians are trying to find hope. But Paul speaks of a reality that we could be overflowing in hope. Wow. And I think it all stems back to what are we choosing to think about, Chad? Hmm. Are we choosing to fix our eyes on him? Are we choosing to listen to him? Are we choosing to gaze at him? Are we choosing to repeat what he says? Are we choosing to listen to lesser narratives? And therein lies the dilemma of the modern day church. They want things spoon fed to them, but they don't want to choose for themselves to fix their mind on him. Mm. He won't do it for us. He won't make us look at him. Mm. We have to look at him. We have to lean into him. We have to think about him. Yes. We have to put this mind that was in him in us. We have to do that. Mm. And if we'll do it, the promises are for us. Yes. I want to go around spilling hope. Yes. I mean, what a yes. way to live. Yes. And so I think mm. in the days to come, the world is going to be looking for hope-filled people. Yes. And we won't have to advertise. They will mm. Uh, mm. They will overturn boulders and rocks and roadblocks to get to people with hope when there's no hope left on the planet. Which isn't it interesting now that you say like hope being one of the great commodities of our time, the the, the great passage in 1 Peter 3.15 that is a great evangelism passage, but what's the context? Set apart Christ in your hearts as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer, so you're living a questionable life, to give the reason for the hope that you have. So it seems if we are like everyone's saying, like as, as God is, as, as prayer is just lighting up the the whole planet, houses of prayer, night and day worship, we're contending in as much as prayer is arising, there's going to be a people who rise and shine with hope. So there's something about prayer and then our, our inner world, our inner reality that's being, that's so compelling that it's actually going to cause I'm saying, is this not a part of like 
all the prophecies and promises of a great harvest. The great harvest, what if it's on the other end of being asked, hey, believer, hey, why do you have the hope that you have when nothing externally makes sense for the internal reality which you're living in front of me at your workplace or as my neighbor or a, you know, passerby or in the grocery store? So when we talk about hope, it's not just, oh, look at that happy-go-lucky person. Hope has a telos. It's that it would provoke others to ask, why? And we'd be able to say, Jesus. Because it's, again, that the, the key to that passage in, in 1 Peter 3 is Christ is set apart in our hearts. He's revered as Lord. And he is our hope, Ephesians, Ephesians 2.14. So keep going as, as we talk about just the power of hope in this episode. 1 Corinthians 15.19. 1 Corinthians 15.19. If only for this life we have hope, in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. And so, wow. you know what I get from that verse, Chad? Now, I believe in healing. Of course. Probably, Do you? Probably yeah. to a fault that some people think I overemphasize it, but Jesus went around healing everybody. So I believe in healing. Yes. I actually believe in deliverance. I also believe in biblical prosperity. Mm-hmm. I actually believe all the promises are yes. Yes. Waiting on me to agree with it mm-hmm. and say amen. amen. And so, but even if I never saw anything else happen, I still have the next life Hmm. that I have hope for. Jeez. For trillions and trillions Hmm. and trillions of years, I'll learn of his love Hmm. and the plans he has for me. And so my hope is not limited to my 80, 90, 100 years here. My hope is unlimited through eternity and that's why we're not pitied, but we should be overflowing with hope. I want to go to First Thessalonians 4.13. So again, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. I love what you just said, that even if God did nothing else for you in this world, which is impossible because every good and perfect gets it from him. So every breath, every thought, it's not possible for him not to be good. I love what you just said, though, that our hope it's like the confession that that uh, Martha and, and John eleven twenty four and five. You're the resurrection and the life. Even if we die in this age, we don't we don't die. We live. We have an everlasting life. And what was that next passage you were talking about? First Thessalonians four thirteen. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. If you're in faith. The last breath a person takes in this life unleashes them into eternal life. Mm. We don't grieve like the world because mm. we have hope. Yes. The world doesn't have hope, Chad. Mm. We don't have sorrow like the world does. Mm. We have sorrow that leads to repentance, that leads to life. Yes. We don't have worry like the world does. We have hope because mm. hope doesn't disappoint us. Wow. Let me let me show you a connection between hope and faith. Mm. Look at Psalms 147.11. And then we'll follow up with Hebrews eleven six. The Psalms. Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. The Lord loves people who have hope in him and who fear him. And then we'll tie that to Hebrews eleven six. Yeah, I love this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the Lord delights in those who fear him and hope in him. And he rewards those who believe that he exists even though they can't see him because faith is the substance of what you hope for and the evidence of what you can't see. So hope 
And faith can never be separated hmm. because faith is composed of what you hope for. Yes. And hope is kingdom, positive, Bible-empowered imaginations that what the Word says can become a reality. It's You know what's coming to me right now? Because of this sentence we've been saying for seven episodes. The realm of hope is believing in a world that's furnished by the Word of God. But here's what it is, Dad. What, what is that sentence on multiple occasions in the Hall of Faith? They were looking forward to a city, we could call it a world, whose builder and architect is God. By the Word. That's exactly right. So that, I'm, I'm just saying that's just coming to me now with fresh insight because that's what we're talking about. We're not randomly making up, oh, just hope and empty. No, there is a city whose builder and architect is God. And that city is furnished by the promises of God. The whole point is they're not made perfect. That's how Hebrews 11 ends. Only together with you will they experience the fullness of the things they've been faithing and hoping in throughout all of the redemptive storyline. Yeah. So I just I love and that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Seek him for what? Seek him as he's revealed his promises and purposes. I feel I feel like one of the, my my you do this way better than me. Maybe when I'm 63, I'll grow a little bit more in faith as well. But I always say this. I don't want the Lord to tell me in the age to come, hey, Chad, you put too much in the not yet category when I wanted to do so much more in the now category. We hope you hear that phrase, the kingdom theology, the now and the not yet. And there's, there's truth to that. But I'd rather him say, you believed and hoped for too much, you know, like that, like the ruler of heaven, like you, you had too much hope, too much faith in the, in the current age. I'd rather, I'd rather go out swinging for the fences and again, believe for that, that world furnished by the promises of God. Amen. Let's do Proverbs 13, 12 right quick. Let me just quote it. Yeah, go ahead. Hope deferred makes, makes the, heart, the sick. heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Yes. So if your hope doesn't stay in hope, but gets in delayed, which leads to unbelief, which leads to fear, hmm. then it takes you out of faith. But if you stay in hope, when there's no hope, a baby can come into existence at age 100. Right. So we can't allow ourselves to go into hope deferred. We have to stay in the realm of the kingdom, hmm in the pro produce of the word so that everything's in the word can become our reality and we live off the fruit of our lips. Hmm. We have to stay in hope, not hope deferred. But what, what you said earlier when we were just prepping for this episode, that the hopeful are going to be the ones producing fruit that will actually nourish others. You said it, something of that similar before we hit record on this episode. If a hope deferred makes the heart sick, a longing fulfilled as a tree of life. Well, that the fruit of that tree is not just for us. It is for us. It's for everybody. But again, let, you know, I forgot who said it. I could Google it. I literally have my device here. But the one who has the most hope is the one who's going to win the day. Yeah. Whether it's leading a business, being a father in a family, pastoring a church, leading in the workspace, or it's those who, again, have that pregnant, like you said, that life sentence in, in the dungeon of hope, as a prisoner of hope, they're the ones, the fruit off of the hope-filled life is going to be one of the most uh, dynamic things we could cultivate in the hour in which we live. Amen. I agree. 
Turn to 1 Kings 19, and let's read 41 to 44. 1 Kings? Yeah. I think it's 19. Yeah, I don't think it is. There's not 41 verses. 18. Yeah. 1 Kings 18. Got it. 41 to 44. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. And Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, harness your chariots and horses and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. This verse goes along with Job 14, 7 to 9, that talks about a tree when it dies and falls to the ground, even though it's barren at the scent of water, hmm. can come back to life. This is a picture of Elijah after he stopped the rain for three years because of his word. Hmm. And then he destroyed 850 prophets and he called down fire. And now he's got such hope in the power of God that all he needs to see is a cloud the size of a hand. And he tells Ahab, you need to get on your chariot and run. It's going to pour like you've never seen in your life. And all he saw was a cloud the size of a hand. Man. And he was able to outrun Ahab on a chariot for 26 miles to a place because he had such hope because hope is such a power source that if you don't lose your hope, mm. you're never disappointed mm. because he had hope that God would send the rain. All he saw was a little tiny cloud mm. and he got down in that position of birthing. It's actually yes. a birth position. When you put your head down between your knees, yes. it's like women in some countries, they do that to give yeah. birth to children. He was birthing the rain. And if we're going to see revival rain, Chad, the latter rains, Man. we're going to have to have a hope that we don't need to see the rain. We don't even need to feel the rain. We can smell it because we're so in tune with the spirit that hope allows us to engage in the supernatural realm of the spirit where every spiritual blessing is already ours for the taking. Yes. But we have to do it by hope. Mm -hmm. And Elijah showed us that hope does not disappoint you now. I want. I want. To, I want to pull out an amazing verse in Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse four. Mm. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. <laughs> so what I get from that verse, Chad, that's, that's is, a funny verse. what I get from that verse is, I don't care what you are. If you're alive, you have hope. Huh? You can be a, you can be an old mangy, old arthritis filled dog. If you're alive, you have hope. Hmm. You can be the most pristine lion, cobra, elephant. And if you're dead, there's no hope. And I don't care if you're 90 years old. Hmm. I don't care if you're a hundred like Abraham. Hmm. I don't care if you're 80 like Moses when he was called into ministry. I don't care what your age is, what your circumstances is, what your symptoms are. If you're alive, you should know that there's a chance for hope to latch onto the promises of God. And he starts a new story if you'll just get into hope. I love that verse. Yes.
just be alive. Yeah. And there's a reason to have hope because mm. God lives inside of you if you're a believer. Mm. Amen. Amen. And so, and so uh, we got to keep going because we got to try to get through this. So I wrote this down, shoot for the stars. And if yeah. you miss, you'll hit the moon. And if you shoot for nothing, you'll hit the bullseye every time. So many Christians are bored because they don't have hope. Yeah. Because hope gives you expectations to believe your life can be more than you could pull off. When you're hopeless, all you try to do is what you can do so you're never disappointed. Yes. Hope doesn't disappoint you. Boredom, lack of expectation disappoints us. Mm. And people are dropping like flies in the church mm. because they've been hurt, because they believed for something one time and they didn't see it happen the way they thought it should happen. Mm. And they lost hope and they settled for religion. Christ didn't die for us to settle for religion. Mm. He wants us to have a vibrant intimate relationship with him so that our hopes are sky high and we never lose the realm of the supernatural becoming natural. Mm. That's in family life, ministry life, yes. business life, recreation life. If we settle for religion, we're going to die of boredom. Mm. Christianity is not boring. Mm. Religion's boring. Mm. I, I want to read a, I want to read a couple more things. Mm. Your expectations should be far more than you can accomplish. Mm -hmm. If you can accomplish them, they're not God's dreams for you. Mm. Now I want to go into some of the mm. negative sides of hope. Because mm. hope is a power both ways. Mm. Look at Acts 16, verse 18. Mm. So she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. And so they were afraid that their hope of making money off of her demonic gift was gone, hmm. which will tell you hope has a negative side. This has a positive side. Yeah. And the aim of your hope. That's yes. right. The aim of your hope. And so that's what caused them to have Paul and Silas beaten hmm. and thrown in an inner prison but they never lost the hope on the positive side mm. because at midnight, they're crying out in worship, bars are opening, chains are falling off, and a church is planted because a whole jailer's family is mm. brought to faith because he sees people worshiping in mm. hope when there's no hope. And the whole sequence started because of negative hope based on the fear of losing something. Mm. So it doesn't matter if the whole world around you has the negative hope. You can still choose to have the hope that latches onto the promises of God. That's so good. <laughs> I want to go back to Elijah for a minute. Look at 1 Kings 19, 2 and 3. 1 Kings 19, 2 and 3. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time I do not take your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid, ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Now listen to this. Finally, he sees himself as no better than his father. Mm. And his whole life of invincible success is when he saw himself in not comparison to his earthly father, oh. but in comparison to his heavenly father. Mm. When he took his, because of one note mm. from a lady who took him out of hope to worry, now he's measuring himself off of 
people instead of God. When I think of the story of Elijah, a guy that could stop the rain, that yeah. could get that could get ra ravens to feed him for a couple of years, that could get a widow to keep him alive with oil and flour that never run out. When he raises the dead, he was the first person in the Bible that raised the dead. Yes. When he was able to heal 850 prophets with his own bare hand. Can you imagine the blood all over him? Sure. When he was able to call down fire, when he was able to call back the rain, he had a pretty good success Not record. Bad. And he gets one note mm. from a lady and it takes him out of hope. And now he's comparing himself to relatives. Now he's doing the comparison game because he loses hope. And we know he runs 800 miles on a meal and hides in a cave and blah, blah, blah. And we'll get into that in the next episode when we finish up this discourse on hope. I want us to end on this fact. We can tell if we're in hope or not, because when we're not in hope, we measure how we're doing by how the world says we're doing. Yes. When we're in hope, we don't measure ourselves in success by the world's standards. We see that God sees something in us that we don't mm -hmm. see, and that's why we should never lose hope regardless of the circumstances. Mm. And this is also why I think the apostles, beyond it being sort of this creedal doctrinal statement for the early church, which it certainly was, but praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's almost like this remedy that we see in the new covenant. Like, don't base your lineage just on the arm of flesh. I've never seen that insight, by the way. Shocker, you have so much insight into the word, but... That's amazing that he lost hope. He lost what God was able to do. One note. Through one threat of a woman. And there's, I think, Pastor, S before stunning. we pray, there's a lot of pastors that are listening right now, pastors mm. and leaders, that somebody in your church has said something. Mm. Somebody in your family has said something. Mm. And you're not living God's best. You're mm. living a life just trying to eat by and not to get too much criticism because you're measuring yourself off of other people now and what success yeah. looks like. The ancestors. And, instead if you, of and if you could get your eyes back on Jesus and your thoughts back on God and let your hope come back alive, you could get in the walk of nothing's impossible for those who believe again instead of trying to survive and being a part of the 4% of pastors that don't quit hmm. after five years. Yeah. So why don't I you just, pray, pray over leaders, man? So That's Lord, so great for pastors and leaders right Jesus. now. The, the Dobson says that 80% of all pastors quit within five years of ministry and the 20% that are left, 80% of them wish they could quit. And they don't know what else to do, mm. which leads 4% of pastors have found Christian success, which means they found the perfect will of God. There is no perfect will of God unless we're walking in hope that doesn't disappoint. Yes. And so, Father, I pray against discouragement from people's words. Yeah. Some board member, some big giver in the church, some family member. Usually Satan energizes the people closest to us because they have the biggest sway on our emotions with their words. Mm. I pray that every leader, every pastor, every prophet, every apostle, every evangelist, every teacher— would get their mm -hmm. eyes, their thoughts, their ears back mm -hmm. on you, Jesus, so they can live in hope that never disappoints and nothing will be impossible because they believe. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I just want to say this. If that's you, pastor, ministry leader, please reach out to us. Uh, you can go to the Becoming Love uh, Ministries website or any of our social medias. We 
we want to contend and pray. Because what was the good word God gave Elijah? There's 7,000 that haven't bowed their knees. So whatever Barna tells us or Dobson, there are those who are walking in faith on the earth. And we want to become a tribe that spurs one another on towards that faith, hope, and love. So please reach out to us if we can pray for you or believe the promises with you and on your behalf. So we'll see you next episode. So 